Hi there, darlings. This is Horizon, and you're listening to the Third Party Podcast. How about a wee cup of tea? Oh no, there's another squad attacking! Welcome to the Third Party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's the day going for you? The day's going really well. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm definitely excited about. It's something that I think about a lot. This is a topic that is of high debate, I think. There's a lot of perspectives and opinions around this topic, and so today we're going to break it down. This episode is sponsored by Redesign, and today we're going to be taking a look at the defensive legends. Before we do any of that, though, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Follow us on Twitch. If you enjoy watching a stream, let's make it happen. If we can make a sprint to affiliate in April, we'll go hard to make our stream even better. You guys have already hit over 150 followers uh, without a stream yet. Absolutely amazing support. Crack that 200 mark, guys, if you can. That would be fantastic. Also, if you'd like to help continue the third-party podcast and the community we've grown, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can receive bonus episodes, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, replica weapons, and much more. Your support means a lot to us, and we look forward to chatting and playing with our awesome patrons. Just a little update, though. On this episode, we're recording a bit earlier than usual, uh, so any news that kind of drops around this Tuesday, we're going to be covering next week as long as it's still relevant. I'm going out of town, so we have a little, uh, we're recording this on Saturday, and it's going to come out on Wednesday and next Saturday. We're going to do some really in-depth talks that we haven't uh, had time to do in a while, because so much news has just been coming out around the game. Yeah, it's been pretty busy. I think this season is the most content we've ever had. Yeah. If you think about that, and there's more to come too. So it's like, it's kind of a wild season in terms of news, Mm -hmm. Um, but no complaints. Enough that we decided to make an old news episode every week, pretty much. Doubled the episodes. So we said we're not doing news, but there is actually one piece of news. And the reason this is an important piece of news is because it's coming from Daniel Klein. So lead game designer, a lot of thought. And it's something that's been discussed a lot by not only our community, but everyone else out there. And so it's around the idea of loot in Apex. So when asked about locked and loaded becoming a permanent LTM and why removing gray loot would be a downside to the game, Daniel Klein responded on Reddit with a very high level of transparency. So we're kind of going to go through that, give you guys the cliff notes and share our thoughts. Uh, and so the first kind of thing is there's a lot of value in the current loot system from spending time pre-fighting uh, to spread out teams and to give opportunity for skill differential in fights, which is something we talked about a long time ago, which I really liked hearing that actually confirmed in game. Yeah, this whole idea that in a BR, loot discrepancies can even the playing field mm-hmm. uh, in some situations, which makes it more fun for all types of players. Mm-hmm. Like It'll be frustrating for you at times too, but you're also mm-hmm. going to reap the benefits of that at times. What's better than going up against someone who's got common armor when you got purple early drop? That's an absolute huge advantage. Not going to be as much of an advantage if it's purple versus blue every time. Uh, and Daniel also responded by saying shortening the journey from low to high level loot in the LTM was actually fine saying that the negative effects didn't really have time to manifest and that some of those might be sweatier games that are more intense, that there's less downtime with higher tier loot, Uh, crazier end games and end rings potentially. Do you have any thoughts maybe on that specifically? Yeah, I mean, he kind of posed two different options that Mm -hmm. would 
purely theoretical. Yes. One, he said, maybe end rings will be empty and boring Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the fighting happens earlier because people can fight because they're confident in their loot. Um, Or he posed that the end rings would be crazy because no one would fight because Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have to fight over loot at the early game. So they'd all just loot up quickly and get for position. It's interesting. It's an interesting case. I mean, in this specific case, he's saying, I don't really know what could happen. It could be bad. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And it was interesting to hear him say like, yeah, we might just see the ALGS translate into everyday play as an option. Like, but that is a bad thing, which is kind of interesting to hear that like, yeah, the ALGS is different. Not how we want to play the game predominantly though which is something I think we'll actually be talking about a good amount today on this episode. Uh, But really there was concern that over an extended period of time, we might see these negative effects, which we didn't in the LTM because it was just a shorter period of time, but that reverting them after you remove common loot from the game, bringing common loot back into the game is not an option. And so that's why they're taking their time with this decision, whether it be good or bad. Yeah. And I think we can all empathize with that. I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you remove uh, white armor from the game and or give it permanently off the drop, that's going to be a painful thing to to replace yes. if you decide to revert it. Uh, in terms of landing, he said landing with white gear is likely fine, except for the white bag for some reason. Very adamant that the white bag could not be given to people off a of rip. And I think there's a lot of thought that goes into that probably considering how much they just put into a couple seasons ago revamping the inventory system and adding a white bag would be a pretty big increase but really said removing white helmets and knockdowns is good Uh, but the white armor is critical for early game fights early game armor swaps and so i think there's going to be a lot of levels and it sounds like a lot of time invested into this thinking of are we going to make a change like this and remove common gear in a way yeah i I think that it's definitely he raised some really good points and I love the transparency. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely value that. I will though say that I, I prefer them to keep it how it is. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a traditionalist. I don't want the game to radically shift, but I think that if you removed all white, everything, if you went like extreme, extreme, I mean, like white mags, mm-hmm. um, that is a little bit crazy because then anything that's blue or purple, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't have any more white armor, there's really, I would say, zero loot progression. Mm-hmm. Like you're not only removing that RNG, but you're pretty much saying everybody is fully kitted and fully armored up all the time. And if they're not, they are severely mm-hmm. disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. If you don't have armor, but everybody else has blue, you have zero, everybody has blue or purple, that's going to be really tough. So I think that, uh, it's a very interesting decision. I can't really tell which way he's leaning. Yeah. I can feel some hesitation, but... He was very positive about a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. I think that definitely as well as an increase to the value of Red Evo, if this came into play. Just saying that the extreme on that side will also now be a bit more valuable uh, because, like you're saying, the lack of discrepancy means that any way you can create an advantage will be even more valuable than it's maybe seen right now currently so it would be interesting does that reward better players does that reward people that run around crafting the armor up to red as well like there's different routes and so i'm not exactly sure which way they want to go and it'll be interesting to see 
But now we're going to talk about the main topic of the day. Talk about the state of the defensive legends. This is an interesting conversation. And we talk about the defensive legends as really one of the most defined group of legends in this game. And Apex has continued to do a phenomenal job uh, keeping all these legends similar, but also very unique. I think there's a lot of difference between these legends that maybe aren't showcased because I'm guilty of it. And I know a lot of people are as well. You group them together kind of just naturally in comparison and how they play. Yeah, I mean, they they take up a slower play style mm-hmm. uh, for the most part as a group. Um, but the reason that we wanted to speak to them is they're probably the most impactful class out of any. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say that if you were to pick one class of legend that defines the most games, mm-hmm. win the most games, like have a significant impact on end games, uh, define how teams play together. Um, it's probably going to be the defensive legends. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to uh, to not focus around your Watson or your Caustic. Um, they very much are the center of a team. But the reason that it's exciting to talk about is that, yeah, they might be very impactful, but they have some of the lowest pick rates. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to dive into that here soon in a second. But I think the first question, and it's going to be fun because it really relates to what we've been talking about recently, is what makes a defensive legend? And recently in our latest episode on Patreon, we introduced a few terms into the Apex vocab to kind of help define these legends because we've done a lot of talking about classes and stuff recently. And we decided to use these new terms around space and how legends control space and then building further off that area denial. And that was the new third party class for these defensive legends. Do you want to maybe expand on the idea of space and aerial denial just so people can have a little refresher or if they didn't listen to the last episode, they're informed? Yeah. So essentially it has to do with uh, if a legend is in a particular area and using their abilities, they can make themselves stronger. Mm -hmm. And so their strength is tied to an actual physical location, uh, like putting up a bunch of fences, Mm -hmm. putting up amped cover. Uh, building up an area is really what these legends are good at. Yeah. And really Watson, Rampart, and Caustic easily fall into the category of defense, base control, area denial, and that's why they're included in the defensive class. Gibraltar, in our opinion, is kind of the outlier from that group in terms of gameplay. Uh, But we are still going to talk about Gibraltar today as it's a great comparison to these other three. And it's been a little too long since we've had a good talk about our big boy that we all love so much. And it's just a huge staple of our gameplay every dang day. So do you have anything maybe fun to say about Gibby? Give him some love. Pretty much. Shout out to Gibby. (laughs) I I don't really know. um, We'll get to him. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. The first kind of thing we want to talk about with the state of the defensive legends is perspective. And there's two main perspectives to look at. And they're very polarizing in all forms of gameplay. But it's really, really interesting to look at them when we're talking about defensive legends. And so there's two main perspectives, the first one being the casual player's perspective. And so we're going to talk about the popularity of this legend. And the way we do that is looking at pick rate data. And we're going to take about some pick rate data that's pulled me recently from apexlegendstatuses.com. And this is crazy. I can't wait to get your thoughts on this. But Watson came in with a 1.3% pick rate. Rampart, a 1.1% pick rate. Caustic, 2.9%. And Gibraltar, 4.9%. That data puts Watson and Rampart as the bottom two legends of the game in terms of pick rate. 
what should we do with that? How much stock should we put into this concept of pick rate and its importance for the health of the game and the state of these legends? Yeah, so this this statistic is one of the most public numbers that we have, and mm-hmm. we we feel like it has pretty good authority um, on assessing, you know, who are the most popular legends. It's more like three and a half million players are mm-hmm. kind of included in this. Um, and really, the takeaway is, for me, people don't like playing defensively. Mm-hmm. Watson and Rampart being the least favorite, you know, markedly below pretty low power legends like Mirage. Um, that That's significant. You know, I, I think that's significant. And then having Caustic and Gibraltar being on like the lower end of middle of the pack yeah. is very, like that's more surprising to me um, than where Watson is. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you think about how much talk circulates about Gibraltar and Caustic over Incredible. a long, long time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty much like every single week, every single game, you're going to be talking about a bubble or an arm shield, or you're going to be talking about gas. Um, but the truth of the matter is not very many people are actually playing them, yeah. which that makes you really ask, like, if I'm, if I feel frustrated by this death, am I not going to take up this legend? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with mobility to try to counter them. It's interesting. Like you're not, if you can't beat them, you're definitely not joining them. Mm-hmm. This kind of what it looks like public opinion surrounding the defensive legends is. I have a kind of interesting thought and it is this idea of, is it the play style and how you are stuck in a building versus the actual mobility aspect of the game? Because my first instinct was the same as yours, like looking at the pick rate, but the data we're looking at, there's, it's not even close, like looking at these legends in comparison. And so there's something wrong there. And the one I looked at that was kind of blew my mind was Lifeline. Lifeline is a legend who I think we believe is perceived as someone that is not mobile, not a solo style legend. And that doesn't seem like that's something that attracts a high pick rate. And that's something that she shares with these other legends we're talking about today. But she comes in at number two on the list with a 13.6% pick rate. That's above Wraith, Octane, Pathfinder, Bangalore, and Horizon. And that kind of shook me because that kind of messed up my first thought, at least looking at these defensive legends. And so I'm not really sure if there's like one easy way to like look at the state of these legends and point towards it and be like, yeah, that's the reason because there's outliers now on both ends. So there's some other factors as well. Yeah. The lifeline case is really shocking and surprising, I think, Mm -hmm. um, because she's kind of held down that high pick rate for a while now long she's an og she's been around yeah. for a while i actually think maybe it's impactful but something we talked about at the very beginning behind the scenes of the show which you get to listen to if you sub to the patreon but we talked about pick rate in general and it's how much impact is there on the fact that a legend needs to be unlocked potentially for pick rate yeah I don't. it's something for sure it has to be mm-hmm. um but for lifeline really interesting because both the you and I, we've played a good amount of Lifeline. Yeah. Uh, definitely haven't slept on her. We've both but, had seasons where we just go all in. Yeah. Um, like she's a major impact to my stats, but I think that it's crazy that she's as popular as she is. Mm-hmm. I think that it's an overinflation and I don't know why. I really don't. You know, she doesn't have that tactical that's major. You know, it's early game tactical, which we don't see as very strong. And then the ultimate is essentially irrelevant. 
um, on most situations, mm -hmm. um, unless you're on Kings Canyon and you're playing around those charge towers, um, you know, can a legend's passive, especially a passive that requires you to be on the back foot, yeah, really inspire people to play her? Because that's what this like data point shows. People yeah. want to play them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they're being successful. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like Daniel Klein says that. Uh, Bloodhound has a really low overall KD mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like not very good at combat. The engagement rate or something one, like that. Yeah. Number one in pick rate. It's a really interesting sort of situation. And I think the defensive legends are kind of an outlier here. Yeah. Let's talk about the other side of that coin and talk about the pro player perspective, the ALGS, maybe that high level of ranked as well. Uh, and so this pick rate data is going to be pulled from the most recent ALGS tournament. Uh, taking into account both North America and EU. Watson, 0% pick. Rampart, 0% pick. Caustic, 26.7 pick. And Gibraltar, 83.3% pick. Oh my goodness. What were your first instinct after hearing these numbers? Because this is different from, I think, what everybody assumes the ALGS is, which is just get somewhere with Watson or a defensive legend and just hold up. Yeah, I mean, a year ago today, we were talking about the LGS and Watson was the meta, mm -hmm. without a doubt. She was a 100% um, pick rate legend for a while yeah. there. So it was definitely who can get their Watson to the end ring will mm -hmm. win. Um, but I look at this and I say, wow, A, ALGS has changed a lot, uh, but B, competitive Apex has gotten faster. Mm -hmm. um, having Gibraltar being so, so important and kind of that move and shoot play style um, really shows me that, you know, maybe the ALGS is becoming more normal where people are actually fighting throughout the whole match and there's not 16 squads in mm -hmm. ring five, um, which I like. What do you think is Watson's role in the game? Cause if she's not being picked in pubs and she's no longer being picked in pro play, that seems like a bad combo. Cause for the longest time we've at least justified Watson's low pick rate in public lobbies and her lack of kind of like entertainment to play is like it's fine some legends are just built for competitive apex instead like yeah. it's totally normal but zero percent pick rate means nobody is playing watson anywhere yeah and that doesn't seem like a recipe for success yeah um so i got some interesting thoughts on that and i don't want to like cut to the chase on okay. the end of the episode but what i can say is i think that it's okay for legends to fall out of favor mm -hmm. when you're introducing new, hopefully better legends every single mm -hmm. season. I think about the state of Pathfinder right now. Yeah. Pretty good balanced wise. Mm -hmm. Pretty strong. Um, not bad. I enjoy playing him. I think that he's really strong right now. But Octane, Horizon, really, really good options. When Pathfinder came into the game, you know, day one, he was overcranked, OP. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that got brought down, but now he's kind of back, but has much more competition. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that, you know, maybe he's not dominant for some people and more people are gravitating towards Horizon and Octane, I think that's fine. I think that translates to the situation, situation with Watson and that she's just kind of fallen out of favor. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to continue to release Legends... Let's not release not fun legends. Mm -hmm. Let's release powerful legends. And the necessary consequence of that is hurting existing legends. Totally. 
We're going to break down now each defensive legend, uh, but before we do that, let's talk about our sponsor, Redesign. We have partnered with some friends of ours with a startup to give away free third-party hats. Yeah, our friends at Redesign have developed an innovative new product called Dry Scoop, which is designed to be consumed dry like a pixie stick, so no shaker or tub you have to carry around, just single-use sleeves for no muss, no fuss. These energy sleeves are a great way to get hyped up and focused before gaming, and we're excited to see how you all like the idea. Uh, for gaming, they taste a lot better than other pre-workouts, and you only need about half a sleeve. They've launched an Indiegogo to promote the product and get it in people's hands. With our great audience, we've partnered with them to help get them funded. As many of you know, uh, we launched our own merch a couple weeks ago, and we've decided to do a collaboration with our friends at Redesign. If you support their third-party podcast tier on Indiegogo, you'll get to try their product and receive a free third-party hat for only $30. This is a better deal than we could personally offer because our friends are covering all the costs of everything. Usually it costs over $40 to get a third-party hat, but our friends are giving you one for free if you support their tier at only $30. If you don't want a hat, though, or $30 is a little too much, our friends at Redesign are offering a second option. If you sign up for their $15 tier of support on Indiegogo, Redesign will provide you with one free month of master-level Patreon support. This means extra podcasts, a third of the way to free merch, behind-the-scenes, gaming sessions, and a direct line to your hosts, Henry and myself. And that's a $24 value, Mm -hmm. so it's pretty nice. All you have to do is follow the link for their Indiegogo in our description, invest in the third-party tier, whether it's $15 or $30, then DM us a screenshot of your receipt of your pledge, and we'll give you a free code or refund your first month on Patreon as a master. Let's break down these legends now and maybe talk about them each individually and see if uh, something fun comes up while we break these guys down. First up is going to be Watson. And we just kind of talked about her, but to circle back around, she is one of the least versatile legends in the game. And has been for a long time. Like she came in with that pretty much in mind. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is that Shay and I have been doing this podcast for over a year now. Neither of us have ever really said, you know what? Watson is the way to go. Like, we're going to play ranked. We're going to play really hard. Mm -hmm. We're going to put a lot of stake into Watson. We've never really done it. We did it for like four days once a long time ago. And then we were just like, nah, that's not not too fun, honestly. Not too fun. And we just felt like the survey beacon was a stronger strategy Mm -hmm. and that we can kind of have more versatility without her. Um, But essentially what she does for the team, if we're looking at her strengths, she has an anti-grenade and an anti-area damage ultimate ability, which is temporary. Mm-hmm. 90, for 90 seconds, if she uses her ultimate, she can do that. And yes, she does get her ultimate back quite quickly, and she has you know one ultimate accelerant. We'll get back her ultimate, and she can carry two of those. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate has some power put into it, but it is temporary grenade and area ultimate denial. I get that the ultimate change a long time ago to make it not permanent in 90 seconds was meant to kind of side grade it in a way and give it more power, but also less power at the same time in a different way. I don't think it was maybe accounted for with how much more difficult it made the legend to play. For an already difficult and slightly unattractive legend to play, it's hard to then add a whole nother level of looting a whole nother level of thought going in there. Cause I know we run Watson still like randomly sometimes and we'll be playing her and it's like, 
I have no idea if I put down the ultimate or not right now, especially if you just go a game without finding ultimate accelerants. Like her power is entirely dependent on finding ultimate accelerants in your game. It definitely changes how she plays as Mm -hmm. well, though, because essentially the old style would be, all right, Watson, scan the beacon, get the cage, Mm -hmm. fence up. In order to fence up quickly, you're going to put down that pylon. Totally. But if you're getting there early game, do you really want to put down the pylon mm-hmm. or would you rather just wait to put up the fences? And then if you don't have your pylon out permanently, then you are being reactive. Mm-hmm. You're saying, all right, there's a team there. My, my, I'm identifying a Gibraltar. They might ult us. I'm going to put it down now or wait until they actually ult us. So they might sneak a grenade in. Mm-hmm. This makes you more vulnerable because you're reacting. And I can say, you can put down three Watson pylons at a time. Mm-hmm. I've never done it. Have you ever seen someone do no, it either? <laughs> I've never seen it. I, I can't, as a player, understand the situation where I would want to, be able to, need to. I just, I don't see the location. And so it's hard. And for us that we try and think about this game as strategically as possible, I honestly think that you and I would be the people that, yeah. are enticed to run Watson theoretically. Like we don't mind playing slow. And we're going to talk about Rampart next. Like we don't mind playing Rampart either. If there's anyone suited for Watson, it's me and you. And so the fact that we're not playing her very much mirrors that pick rate we're seeing in pro play and public play right now. And just that there needs to be something done with her in some way. If they, if they care about everyone having some love and pick rate in some way. Yeah. I, I'll say it again, but pretty much I just think that you're going to have a hard time if every year you're releasing three or four new legends and you want to maintain the existing legends popularity and balance. At some point, there has to be legends that kind of fall out of favor. And are you going to spend your resources trying to rescue them Mm -hmm. because you've introduced better legends or are you going to spend your effort on who's currently popular, who's coming next. Mm-hmm. I think it's tough. I think you're probably going to let that legend go. I think that's fair. I think, are you saying like Rampart came, comes in though? And like, like I know she directly competes with Watson, but her not even having a high pick rate to me signifies that yeah. like she didn't actually take it over. And more so we saw Caustic kind of take over her pick rate. And that's kind of weird then. Cause now we have two OG ish legends kind of like, taking over one another and so that just goes back to the whole where does the balancing power and where does the time go like it's interesting to see them delegate their time in that way yeah i i think what happened with watson was in competitive play in the algs bloodhound got picked up and the whole pace of play got ramped up and so that it was faster there was more action early on and mm-hmm. then the end games you were forced into more action uh, because of all that aggression And so kind of Watson was already on the out just because the game was changing Mm -hmm. and the pace was changing. So it's tough. It sucks. Like, do we want to slow it down? Like, and I probably don't. And so that means that she just needs to change like a lot. If, if the big, if being, if they care about her not having the bottom pick rate, but like we always say, someone's going to always be at the bottom. Like it's too bad, but someone's going to always be there. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, if you were to pick someone who would be at the bottom and you were looking at the game being fun, Mm -hmm. yeah, Watson's probably the least fun. It makes sense. So that's a successful 
game. If if somebody has to be at the bottom, sorry, we all love Watson. She's mm-hmm. a lovable character. Oh, best skydive um, emotes. I love her skins. Yeah, but I think it's kind of fair that mm-hmm. she's in the spot that she is. Um, and the other thing, just so we don't miss it, and we're kind of going over everything, she has that ability to work with shields a little bit. Yeah, and when she has the pylon out for ninety seconds, it can regen anyone in proximity two shields per second. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're able to get you know, a cell worth of shield in 12 and a half seconds. Compare that to three seconds to actually use a cell in your inventory. And then on top of that, her passive, if she's not taking damage, she gets half a shield point per second. So it takes 50 seconds to recharge one cell versus three seconds. These are not fantastic, but, you know, can be a little bit of an extra. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking with some players the other day about, you know, Octane doesn't really have to carry syringes. Mm-hmm. Do you think Watson does? And the guys I was talking to were saying, yeah, Watson definitely needs to carry cells still. Yeah. This isn't impactful enough just because you have to use your ultimate mm-hmm. and the passive isn't really enough. So I don't know. It, it's interesting that they gave her that passive kind of like Octane, mm-hmm. but Not didn't want didn't to invest in it mm-hmm. when it's so interesting that in some situations, they're really sensitive on balancing. And this one, they were. I think there's a fear with Watson, and I think we'll see a very continued slow balancing of her because I think the game designer is just going to be scared that she'll go from zero to 100 in pro play again, just like that. And I don't think that's what they want at all. Totally. Let's talk Rampart. All right. So Rampart is my girl. I like her a lot. I think that she is slept on mm-hmm. and she's the least favorite legend in the game. I, I think that that's too bad. And her current state is really, really good. And we're going to talk about kind of where she is, why people might not like to play her. And then we'll circle back around with Gibraltar mm-hmm. at the end. But essentially, what does she have? She's got five amped covers that generate an instant 50 or 45 hit points for free. Plus 150 hit points on the amped cup cover on the upper walls. Mm-hmm. Plus 20% increased outgoing damage. That's her tactical. Awesome. Very, very strong. Um, really a nice tactical and much more versatile now that it has instant health. You can use it, you know, kind of as a in the moment firefight sort of deployable cover. So much more effective at blocking doors and playing buildings in the moment than it used to be. Like totally awesome increase to the kit. And then you have Sheila, ultimate, big, minigun. It's fine. You know, I'm not going to hype it up too much, but just to say, free ammo with the highest DPS LMG in the game. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Not going to overhype it, though. Then you got her passive. Guess what, folks? We're in a Spitfire meta. We are. The Spitfire is incredibly strong, and she makes that reload a lot more manageable, plus some extra bullets. So... If you believe that, okay, Spitfire is one of the best guns in the game, well, Rampart is designed to elevate the Spitfire, so not a bad choice. Um, She's my personal favorite legend for defending buildings. Like Shay said, I think that she's just the strongest at blocking doors um, and doing damage out, which I think is important when you get to a position. Also important to mention that the gaming merchant recently dropped a 6k damage solo game as Rampart. He's a Rampart main. Uh, we've spoken with him about maybe coming on the show, uh, but definitely check him out on Twitter and watch that video of the 6K. It's um, clinical. Yeah. 
It, <laughs> she's a really cool legend and you can be successful with her. And I think he's a great proof of that. Now that grenades don't instant destroy her cover. Such an awesome buff. She's in a really good position where she can kind of be hard to, to mess up and destroy her whole nest, especially indoors or in a power position. And I would say like, if you like a defensive playstyle, which according to the pick rate, most of you do not, mm-hmm. Rampart is incredible. And if you get to a position early with a recon legend, I think she can be really, really effective. I think that's a really good point. Rampart's just in a really fun place. It sucks that the pick rate doesn't seem to reflect that. But like we've been on stream playing Rampart Mirage and just having like a really good time. And those amped covers can not only be impactful, but they're like a really cool way to actually change the physical like dimension of the game you're playing in which is very unique to her kit and really cool. Like you're not blocking, like you're not just blocking doors, you're blocking doors, if that makes any sense, which is really, really cool in her kit. I'm very happy to see the recent changes to her to kind of like fix some of the little things that seem to be like too impactful for what they should be. Um, And now it doesn't feel like you have to have Watson on your team to play Rampart, like still a fun, good combo, but it doesn't feel like a necessity. Like we said, for the longest time, like you must use this legend to play with this one. And we were saying you have to use the two least popular legends. Kind of why maybe nobody did that. Yeah. Hard hard sell. sell. Let's talk caustic though. Now a little more, we're like easing out of the versatility in a way. Yeah. Um, for sure. So caustic, you know, in the paper a lot these mm-hmm. days, really Whoa. popular, um, but not a favorite, mm-hmm. you know, not even close uh, to a favorite legend, not even in the top 50%. Um, but he is the second most popular defensive legend. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about that. The versatility in his ultimate and tactical, the gas barrels, pretty good. We've been Pretty saying, good versatility. Yeah, for the longest time, the fact that his defensive abilities can go outwards and make an impact on people is very not defensive. Just yeah. the whole concept of having a grenade is not a defensive ability, but the dude's in a defensive class and compared to Watson and Rampart who are incredibly defensive. So yeah. it's a very interesting conversation. I look at Caustic's strengths as being kind of unique in that he's... I don't want to say this, but I'm going to because I think he'll get some reactions. He's kind of like Mirage. He's there to disorient and distract Mm -hmm. plus blocking doors. Big strength there. But I think his both of his ultimate and his tactical is kind of like, hey, look, shoot at that barrel over there. Mm -hmm. Or, whoa, watch out. There's a gas grenade. I got to change how I'm playing immediately. Yeah, it's more of a it's not a decoy, but it's a distraction. It's going to kind of make you work around it. Um, and then getting slowed down by the gas for a second or two, um, while Caustic comes in and lasers you Mm -hmm. or maybe heals up or gets a res is also a really nice ability. And so I think that kind of distraction, um, and kind of you're putting a, an obstacle in front of someone is really where Caustic is at. And I think comparing it to Mirage is maybe something that no one's done before. But I think it kind of explains where he is in pick rate. I think it's distraction. Yeah, that's a, it's a, I hadn't thought about it as a kind of fun comparison. I think there's definitely some similarities there into just how they impact the opposing teams. And it is interesting. Like, I think those two legends struggle because it is hard, kind of like how Daniel Klein was saying, to feel the satisfaction 
of disorienting someone else. Like we talked about for a long time, how like having a legend that impacts the noise or mini map of somebody else might be good, but you're not really going to know. And that makes it a hard legend to play, maybe leading to those slightly lower pick rates as well. Totally. You need that response from Mm -hmm. your abilities in order to have fun and be successful. Um, then really the current state of caustic in terms of damage is that his gas is a lot less threatening, Mm -hmm. um, that he can get slowed and blinded. That's really, really powerful unless you're one of the five mobility legends, Mm -hmm. then it's really not that big of a deal. Um, just like all the other area of effect ultimates. The threat went from the actual damage of the gas to the caustic that is shooting you with a gun in the gas, which is just a very different dynamic. Very interesting to see. Wrapping Next, it up. Let's talk about the big boy, Gibraltar. Um, he's the only defensive legend without permanent abilities. And that's why he's kind of the outlier here. Mm-hmm. Um, can't really build up anything. Mm-hmm. Can't really like take a position and say, his, hey, don't mess with me. His version of defense is quite different from everybody else's. It really is. Um, but one of his biggest strengths is that he has a combat-focused passive. Um, it's not weapon-specific like Ramparts, um, but it's definitely... Um, puts him apart from everyone else in terms of having a combat, almost offensive mm-hmm. passive ability. Um, and that's interesting. But having a kind of passive combat ability plus the ability to create temporary cover and have an area denial ultimate gives him a lot of strength and mm-hmm. that he has that versatility. The closest comparison to Gibraltar is probably Rampart, but he has a faster tactical better passive and better ultimate. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it Rampart, but it's pretty much true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's just faster, better, stronger across the board. Um, another thing to mention is that Gibraltar has been receiving significant nerfs every single season since season four. It's been interesting to see them say there's something there with Gibraltar and we need to bring him down a tad, even though the pick rate reflects that it might not be necessary but still kind of being unsuccessful because he still is very frustrating for a lot of people from a public opinion standpoint. And now he's for the first time really rising in uh, pro play, which might be reflective of maps as well. Like I talk about him as being one of the legends that is most impactful from a mass perspective because on Olympus, there is no other legend I want by my side at times, just from the standpoint of if you want to take a trident somewhere, you can get lasered off a trident pretty easily unless you got that Gibby on your team. Yeah, I mean, Gibraltar is in a great space. Mm -hmm. And anything that anybody's ever said is too powerful on him has been nerfed. Ultimate has been nerfed. Uh, Tactical has been nerfed. Passive has been nerfed. Like, more than a year ago, it was at 75 hit points. Mm -hmm. Now it's at 50 and there's bleed through. There's nothing more they can do to bring him down unless it was really, really drastic and mm-hmm. almost to the level of a rework. Totally. Which I don't think they want to do given where he's at mm-hmm. in terms of pick rate and win rate. He's an interesting case. He really is because he's got the versatility. I enjoy playing him. Um, so I'm biased, but <laughs> it, he's just a great legend that I think more people should play. I will say that the nerf, you know, this season having the bleed through, mm-hmm. maybe I'm feeling it, maybe I'm not. It's really hard to tell. Yeah. I think that's really good that it's now charging shields. Totally. I'm benefiting from that. Um, but the whole losing the fast heals under the shield, I don't care. I'm mm-hmm. still 
putting down a bubble whenever I put on a bat. So it doesn't actually change how I play. And it really only shaved off a fraction of a second. So he's still in a really good spot. Worth playing for sure. Yeah, he is the most versatile of these defensive legends. And that's why he probably is the most popular of these defensive legends. Going to be really interesting to see where he goes. And with that, the future of the defensive legends. What do you think their future might entail? Yeah, I mean, the first question is, are they going to hammer down this whole, you're in a fixed location, Mm -hmm. you're going to be area denial, or more like Gibraltar where you're moving, you're shooting, temporary cover, temporary defensiveness? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, that seems like an easy answer. Oh, the majority are all fixed locations, mm-hmm. but the majority, nobody plays. I, so, here's here's what I, my opinion. I have a pretty strong opinion on this. If the pick rate is low, that is okay because you need to offer different play styles to people. But the win rate, we don't, which we don't have, needs to be respectable enough that there is reward for playing the defensive style if you want to which we sometimes feel like there is, but there is also in a BR, if you want to play a defensive style, you might have limitations on like the guns and loot you get and stuff. And that can be even more impactful than all legend abilities in the game. Cause this game is first and foremost supposed to be a gun first oriented game. So in terms of a fixed location, I'm cool with that being a play style for a segment of legend in the game. They just need to be effective at it and represented in the win rate. Really excited to talk to Daniel again uh, here shortly and kind of see if they're there and see if they're in a fine spot in that face with my opinion. I'm excited to hear about it because I think you you hear this conversation that we're having and you're like, okay, those legends seems kind of fun, but maybe I don't really like the play style. Nobody's really playing them. Yeah. Does that mean they need a buff? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean... Caustic and Gibraltar have been getting nerfed like pretty intensely. Yeah. Um, but should they be actually getting a buff? Is it that their more defensive play style is less exciting, specifically with Watson and Rampart? Or are they actually lacking on paper power? Mm-hmm. It's tough to say. I think that where they're at is more public opinion and less they demand a buff. Totally. I agree with you 100%. Excited to see. Uh, If we can get some stats backing up our uh, theoretical opinions here. We're going to wrap up this episode now by answering a five-star question coming from Todd.Bell. Love the podcast and everything you guys do in the Apex world. I've played the game since launch and I love it. I have two questions for you guys. Question one, any tips for a new mouse and keyboard player? I decided to make the switch from Xbox to PC about three months ago to try and take my game to the next level and I've made progress. I just got my 2.5k damage badge with Pathy and Gibraltar. Any tips, whether it's sensitivity, settings, keybinds, I'll take anything. Question two, do you think cross progression is likely thing to come to this game? I missed my 7k kill, 4k badge, heirloom lifeline. You guys are the best. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Thanks so much for the review, Todd. It means a lot. I can say that my best advice for mouse and key is to plug in your Xbox controller. Um, <laughs> I really, I don't have any advice. I'm sorry. Um, I plug in my controller. Yeah. Neither of us are like main mouse and key people. We've both dabbled in it, messed around from the people I know that switched to mouse and key. You just got to spend the time playing a lot of practice. It's not going to feel natural and it's going to take a long time to get to where you are probably at on controller with it. 
But no, I can't give you any specific tips on keybind, sensitivity, anything. Everybody's mouse is also different in terms of what buttons you can bind on that side. Uh, so yeah. The second question though, uh, do you think cross progression is likely a thing to come to the game? Uh, we've heard a lot of rumors that they want to do cross progression at some point, but that's incredibly difficult to do. They just added the Switch as well, another console they would have to kind of fill in, in there. I think it's something that's probably being worked on in the background and may come someday, but I wouldn't hold your breath for it being anytime soon. But trust me, Henry and I are right there with you. We would love to see cross progression come to the game. No doubt. Yeah, that wraps up this episode, though. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Follow us on Twitch. Check us out on Discord. Both those links are in the description. Thank you for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>